morning. So good to see you. So good to be here for Language of the Spirit. So I feel like the last few sermons I've preached have been very topical. A couple months ago, fasting. This time, last time, the Holy Spirit. This time, I'm talking about tongues. And so I'm just gonna say it right off the top. <laughs> Today's sermon is on the language of the Spirit, which is the gift of tongues. Uh, as we journey towards the upper room and Pentecost is next Sunday, one of the first manifestations of the Holy Spirit's presence on the believers that had gathered was this gift. And I wanna talk about it today and there's an element of understanding and invitation for us as we gather today. Now, I don't know about your experience with church or with the gift of tongues. I don't know what your experience is sitting there hearing it. You might be like, I don't know what you're talking about other than this. Like, I have no idea. Or you could have some experience in some way, shape, or form. I'll tell you mine, quickly. I uh, got invited, our family got invited by neighbors to go to church when I was approximately kindergarten age. Um, the neighbors beside us um, moved in and they had daughters our age and my family didn't go to church, my parents didn't go to church and they invited the girls to Sunday school, me and my two sisters. They invited us to Sunday school and my mom is such a people person, she is like, I wanna go too. <laughs> so uh, my whole family ended up going to church and we were going to the Foursquare Church in Pell River and the experience of that, that church at that time was that tongues was just part of the experience. You would overhear it in worship. Sometimes the worship leader would encourage people to sing in the spirit or sing in tongues if they had that gift. There would be, occasionally someone would give a word in tongues and it would be interpreted or not and then corrected. Um, and it was just part of my experience. I just, you know, we had wooden oak pews. People raised their hands in worship. There were tambourines and tongues. It was just, that was part of my experience. The tambourines and tongues don't have any correlation in my experience, but maybe there is, huh? Anyway, um, so I grew up with it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know why it was. I didn't know who or how you received it, but I knew what it was. Like, I just don't know how to explain it other than I was around it, I was familiar with it, so I just knew what it was. And as I grew up and as I read books and stories about people of faith and some of my heroes of faith, I encountered more understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this gift of tongues. And as I've gone through life and ministry and teach on the Holy Spirit, I've come to understand and appreciate this gift. And I am so excited to talk about it. To be steeped in it for the last few weeks in preparation for today has been such a renewing experience for me. Um, so here we go. The main point of today, and uh, this is in your notes, um, actually before I do that, I realized that nowhere in the notes, nowhere in um, you know, my preparation until like minutes before the service this morning was a definition. I heard, I heard that, Joel, or someone over here. I heard the chuckle. There was, there was no definition point of this experience, so we're just gonna dive right into scripture. And I just want to 
rewind just a moment and offer a definition. So the word for tongues in scripture is simply languages. It's not like there's something extra or special about the word itself. What we see is the receiving and the application and the experience of this language. So what it is in the New Testament, it is speech addressing God. Sometimes it's interpreted, sometimes it's um, corporate, and sometimes it's personal. And so we're going to look at this language of the Spirit, this gift of tongues today. The main point I'm making, and this is in the notes, the Acts chapter two experience of Pentecost, which next Sunday is Pentecost, and Pastor Joel's gonna be addressing um, the, the journey to the upper room and the culmination of this uh, experience towards Pentecost, included the manifestation of tongues. The early church experience included the ongoing practice of this gift. And our current experience of faith includes the invitation to this gift of deep connection with Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. So the first point today is that tongues were part of the initial experience of the new covenant. So Jesus enacted the new covenant, his life, death, and resurrection. Even in his last supper, he broke bread and passed around a cup at Passover and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And as I talked about in the first sermon on the Holy Spirit several weeks ago, the Old Testament promised a new relationship with God, a new covenant, a new way of experiencing faith in God. And this experience in Acts chapter two is part of the initial experience of that new covenant being poured out. Jesus had said when he was resurrected and just on his way to heaven, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for this experience. And here we have in Acts chapter two, starting in verse one, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it each of us hears them in our native language? In verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. 
So people, Jewish people from all these different nations gathered in, in Jerusalem for this Feast of Pentecost. Why? Because Pentecost was a pilgrimage feast, which means that if you were an observant Jew, you would try to make your way to Jerusalem for this feast. There were three feasts in the year. I'm not gonna get into all of that, but three pilgrimage feasts and Pentecost is one of them. They would gather in Jerusalem for observance of this feast. And at this time, the disciples were gathered in an upper room observing the feast of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit manifests, comes like tongues of fire and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and begin speaking in other tongues. This effect pours out of the upper room into the community and the Jewish people around them from all over, hundreds of mile radius, can hear the praises of God, verse 11, which we didn't read. They could hear the disciples praising God in the native language of wherever they were from. And that is the beginning enactment of this new covenant. We sang this morning, the spirit lit the flame, the church of Christ was born and the spirit lit the flame. That is this, that's what we're singing about. We're talking about this experience that I'm not gonna get into because if I get into it, I'm not gonna get out of it. And we're, not, we're talking about tongues, not the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's next Sunday and that's Pastor Joel. So what, that, what was part of this experience was the gift of tongues though. And these people hear them. So there's questions. Did they speak in other languages or did the people hear in their spirit? Did they hear the other languages being spoken? And I ask those two questions because the gift of tongues raises questions. It's kind of contrary to our natural understanding to receive a spiritual language that is either a known language that we don't know or a heavenly language that connects spirit to spirit. That's what we see here. That's what we see in the ongoing experience of the New Testament church. We see the evidence of the spirit being poured out and it's so beautiful to see that this gift of tongues was pointing people to God. The gifts of the spirit are to manifest who God is, what he is capable of, his grace, his healing, his power at work in and through us. And this whole experience in Acts chapter two brought about 3,000 people to faith. And I'll just say that at this birthplace of church, for the next several hundred years, the priority of the church gathering was to transmit the tradition of experience. It was less about the theological understanding of what is going on here. If you were here when I talked about the Holy Spirit, arriving at the doctrine, un, doctrinal understanding of who the Holy Spirit is was hundreds of years in the making. So many of the early creeds are just like, yeah, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We don't know what to say past that because their priority was 
this is what happened. And so many people came to faith and we started gathering and talking about the apostles teaching and praying and fellowshipping. And the Lord added to the number daily those that were being saved. The purpose and point of our experience of church was to keep it going. To, I hear myself. (laughs) Sorry, that was, like, I'm like, that's my voice. How is that happening? Um, Yeah, so, okay. Whoa. (laughs) I don't even know what I was saying. So I'm just, you know, yeah. (laughs) I have no idea if that point was complete. So... This is passing on the experience, yes. Okay, so we're, that's where we're at. And which leads right into point number two. So I'm just gonna, if that wasn't a complete thought and you really need a complete thought, I'll go back and watch the sermon and try to figure out what I was going to say. Um, but, you know, for the moment, let's move on. Point number two, tongues was part of the ongoing experience of the early church, which I was making the fact that the early church wasn't about teaching about this experience. They weren't teaching about the Holy Spirit. This is who the Holy Spirit is. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is how the Holy Spirit operates with Jesus and God the Father. This is what tongues is. This is why we have tongues. This is the gift of prophecy. This is the gift of faith. That wasn't the experience of the church. They were together. And what we see is Paul addressing, okay, let's just kind of do things decently in order. I applaud your seeking of the manifestation of the spirit. That is key and healthy. And how we do it is important. So they were part of the ongoing experience of the early church. To A, as the gospel of Jesus spread. So as the gospel spread to beyond the Jewish people, into the Gentiles and then into surrounding areas, The gift of tongues was part of the gospel spreading. In Acts chapter 10, we see the story of Cornelius, and I I encourage you, if you have time later and and wanna read a really good passage of scripture, Acts chapter 10 is phenomenal. I love the book of Acts. They have so many rich stories, but Acts chapter 10, we're not gonna do justice to this experience. Suffice to say, Cornelius was a God-fearing Gentile. Gentile means non-Jewish person. Cornelius was a God-fearing Gentile. And Peter is there explaining some truth of the gospel, who Jesus is. And we'll pick it up in 44. There's a whole story, and I'm not gonna get into all of it, but there's a bunch of people there curious about God, curious about Jesus. And it says in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised Jewish believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. In Acts chapter 11, Peter is having to explain what just happened with Cornelius and his family, and he's having to explain it to Jewish believers back in Jerusalem. And he says this in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 15, Peter says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them 
as he had come on us at the beginning, Acts chapter two. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God came with the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. It's not actually about the gift. The gift is a a benefit. The gift is a beautiful invitation to deep connection with the spirit. The the power and the, the hope is that in this gift and with that connection of spirit, we have deeper realization of repentance that leads to life. We have the praise of God being declared from our life in tongues and in English or whatever our native language is, that we are connected, vitally connected, spirit to spirit. So this gift of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of this gift of tongues was evident in these early stages. Again, in Acts chapter 19, there is on Paul's third missionary journey, he's in Ephesus, and there a group of believers experience the same thing. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, this is Acts chapter 19, verse one, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, what baptism did you receive then? And they said, John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So as the early church was growing, as people were coming to faith in Jesus and encountering the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this gift of tongues was evident. Not always. There is one story I'm not including in the three main Acts accounts. But there are these points where the Holy Spirit is poured out and something is seen and several times tongues is referenced. To be, tongues was part of the ongoing church experience and it was as part of the the corporate experience of worship. So corporate, when the church gathered, when the church came together, we see that tongues was part of that. And we see that because of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are a large section of teaching on the moving of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. Pastor Joel's been talking about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, I'm just highlighting barely any of it. And it includes, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. That that feels like what this message is about today. I don't want you to be uninformed about the gift of tongues. And then as we move on in 10b, it says, 
to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues. So this gifts of the Spirit, this manifestation of the Spirit included this gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And then I wanna draw just a, a couple points out of this worship experience that Paul's addressing in this letter because 1 Corinthians uh, is quite heavy on um, correction and instruction about certain things. And this is part of that, correction and instruction about what's going on. As we read the text, which we tend to do chapter, 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 section, 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 but 12, 13, and 14 should be a seamless experience. Chapter 12 ends with this phrase, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And 13 opens with, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, if I have this heavenly language, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have this gift, any of these gifts really, because he goes on to say, if I can do all these things in faith and yet don't have love, I'm this annoying gong and clanging cymbal. I, am, I heard one, one pastor, one pastor, I heard them use the illustration. They're like, maybe we don't appreciate necessarily the annoyance of a clanging gong or cymbal, but does anybody know what a rooster sounds like first thing in the morning? <laughs> Joel raises his hand. Pastor Joel's like, I do. <laughs> If you go through life without love, you are an annoying rooster on Saturday morning. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, I get that one. I get, I get that one deep. And there's through 13, Paul's addressing what love is and the priority and importance of it. Coming out of 13 into 14, it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. And what we see in 1 Corinthians 14 is a lot of teaching about tongues and prophecy and what it looks like in a gathering. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. The church was prioritizing, maintaining the experience and tradition of coming together in new contexts to pray, to fellowship, to worship, to pass on the apostles' teachings, to teach what Jesus had taught. And this gathering in Corinth included what we can see from the different ways, and we will read more of 1 Corinthians 14. It seems that they would come together and there was a large degree of chaos going on. Everybody was really zealous for 
God and their experience with faith. And there would be a lot of people just talking in tongues. And so Paul's addressing, look, when you come together, and as we'll see further on in text, when you come together, prophecy is important because it's in the language of the people. Unless tongues is interpreted, it it builds the speaker up. But if we don't understand what's being said, it's not a corporate experience. It's a personal experience, which we're going to get to. So the first church has prioritized this experience ongoing. And here's some teaching about worship and about our gatherings. The third and final point today, and this is where we're just gonna kind of see the invitation for us today, is that tongues are corporate and personal. So we see kind of this, we, we have to take 1 Corinthians 14 and peel back some layers to understand all that's going on because Paul says tongues edify the individual and yet when used in interpretation, they equal prophecy. So there's this beautiful gift that we have a personal manifestation of it. I pray in tongues. And when I'm in a corporate gathering and feel a sense, which has never happened to me, felt a sense to stand up in front of people and pray or speak in my tongue language, it needs to be interpreted if we are in a corporate gathering. So 3A, the corporate gift of tongues needs to be interpreted for the greater good. The upfront gift of tongues or the gift of tongues that's elevated above the volume in the room to say, I have a message from God. Paul's very clear. It needs to be interpreted so that the body is not confused, that we have direction, that we have connection with what God is saying. And we see that as we continue in 1 Corinthians 14. If you pulled up the notes, you will realize there is a lot of scripture today. But it's important when we talk about some of these subjects to root it and anchor it in scripture. So Paul's addressing when we come together in 1 Corinthians 14, 6. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues... What good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction of notes? I go over to the piano right now and just lean on it. What good will that do? But if I sit down on the piano and I start playing it, there's beauty in that, hopefully, depending on the day. (laughs) That's what Paul's saying. If I just pick up a harp and start strumming it, that's chaos. But if I start playing it, there's beauty. If I come here and I just start speaking in tongues and you start speaking in tongues, there's chaos. But if we bring interpretation and we work together to facilitate what God is saying in, an, in our space as we gather, that's where the melody gets played. That's where there is beauty and power. Um, yeah, so nine. So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? Will you just be speaking into the air? Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. 
If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. The corporate gift of tongues needs to be interpreted for the greater good. End of sentence. The personal gift of tongues, the personal use of the gift of tongues. I I realize I forgot a word there. The personal use of this gift is part of our deepest experience with God. That's the invitation. As we move on in 1 Corinthians 14, it has some understanding of, it says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. That actually means quiet. If I pray in a tongue, my, my spirit prays, but my mind is quiet. It's, it's not the place of fruitfulness. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now, uh, who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. And then he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. The personal use of this gift is one of the deepest experiences we have with God. We see that elsewhere in scripture, just talking about the, the spiritual place, the spirit crying out to spirit, praying in the spirit, deep groanings of spirit. And I I love it how it opens there in verse 14. My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. For any science geeks out there, science-minded, interested people, there are some great journals on the neuroscience of this gift. They have done um, the MRI studies and different brain scan studies of what is going on in our brains when a person is speaking in tongues, and it's fascinating. I love it when science confirms the word of God. I, I just love it. There are a few points in psychology where principles of scripture are foundationally the same as what they've found to be helpful in psychology. This is one of them. The, when the tongues are being prayed, spoken, there's a place in us, in our brain, where our spirit is connecting and our brain, the area of language, is unfruitful. My mind is unfruitful. And I like, it, I like to say it this way. I get out of the way. <laughs> when I am praying in tongues, I get out of the way. My mind gets out of the way. My feelings get out of the way. My understanding of the situation gets out of the way and I am connecting spirit to spirit. There is something in me that's so deep that there's edification, like as we've previously read, it edifies the believer. There's something in me that takes place that I can't explain and I have tried. I have thought about, okay, how how am I gonna explain this? And 
we're dropping a podcast this afternoon where Pastor Joel and Greg and I discuss tongues further. Um, and there were points in that podcast recording where I'm just like, there are words. The words don't seem enough sometimes other than to say, I get out of the way. Elsewhere in scripture, there's this discussion of praying in the spirit. Jude 1, verse 20 and 21, Jude's encouraging the believers, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. He's encouraging them to build themselves up in their holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. They're praying in the Holy Spirit or praying in the Spirit appears several times in the New Testament. It doesn't directly equal praying in tongues, but when you are praying in tongues, you are praying in the Spirit. So we can pray in the Spirit. We can have a deep connection with God and have a sense of where he's leaving, leading us and have a sense of just, maybe it's even a, a word of knowledge or a word of insight about a situation and we're spiritually, we're praying in the Spirit. It might just be in our native language or in English or whatever the language is of the prayer meeting. But when I pray in tongues, I am praying in the Spirit. There is a deep experience where we connect with the Spirit interceding. Romans 12 includes this phrase about the Spirit interceding for us in deep groans that cannot be understood. And when I pray in tongues... That's that entry place of coming into agreement with the Spirit's intercession. Our current experience of faith includes the invitation to this gift of deep connection with the Spirit. Years ago, I had a guest lecturer teaching um, on the Spirit, and he was sharing his, his testimony of faith and then um, being baptized in the Holy Spirit and how for years he just kind of discredited the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. And then someone used this illustration. They said, um, I'll use the name Joe. They said, Joe, I, 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 just, I just wanna show you that you are in a sailboat paddling across the Fraser River. You have sails and you even have a motor but you are in your sailboat paddling across the Fraser River. The Holy Spirit in you is so much more than you have encountered. Raise the sails, drop the motor, and fly. We have an invitation to this gift of deep connection with the Spirit to set our sails and fly. Just a few concluding concept thoughts about this gift of tongues. We believe that every believer can speak in tongues. When they've encountered the Holy Spirit, been baptized in the Holy Spirit, every believer can speak in the gift of tongues. But you don't have to. It's not a who's in, who's out. It's not in any way related to your salvation, to your walk with God in the saving grace of Jesus. It's a gift. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's an invitation to deep connection. And it isn't only a public gift. 
It doesn't always need understanding. There are times when it's a personal experience, even in a corporate setting. I've been in many worship services over the years where the worship leader or the pastor or someone up front has encouraged the congregation, if you have the gift of tongues, let's just pray in the spirit. If you don't, just lift the name of Jesus, declare he is worthy, declare what you know to be true of God. And there have been healings. There's been, I've had an experience where there was someone in need of deliverance and I said to the group of people around, this isn't a spectator sport. If you pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit. And this person that we were ministering to was delivered, set free, never returned to patterns and a lifestyle that had kept him in bondage for years and years and years. Myself, a few years ago, at the beginning of the year, I always take time and pray, God, what, what would you, what are some things that I could do this year that would be of benefit in some way? A couple of years ago, um, I think this was like 2015 or 2016, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, like, just pray for 10 minutes of day in tongues, and while you're doing that, stretch. It's like, okay. So I'd set a timer, 10 minutes of stretching and uh, praying in tongues a day. Okay, by middle of January, I was like, I am taking this world. There was something in me that was so built up, so edified, so ready, so courageous, so just ready for anything and everything that was put in my path, just from this deep connection of spirit. I run out of words to say in English, because English is the only language I know how to speak. People come to me and ask for prayer, for healing of big things. People ask me to pray for situations that in human understanding are complicated. Some are so hopeless, I don't mind saying. I, I'm faced with, will you pray for this? And I'm like, <laughs> uh-huh, Jesus, we need a miracle. And then I need to get out of the way. So often I need to get out of the way, slip into tongues, settle into God, and deeply experience the faith and the hope and the courage to pray more. Receiving the gift of tongues, receiving this language of the Spirit, on the notes include these four principles. One, we believe that all believers who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, brackets, come next week if you want to know more about that, can speak in tongues. Two, ask for it personally. I have testimony and I write on my notes different people's names that I've heard where they've heard this and just prayed for it, asked for it, and received it. One young man prayed for it, came forward, asked for prayer for it, multiple times. He just desperate for the gift of tongues, had encountered the Spirit, had had words of knowledge pour out of him, but he just really wanted this gift of praying in tongues. <laughs> and uh, one night after uh, youth group, he goes home, and he slipped out of his car and fell in a mud puddle, and he was totally muddy. He got in the shower and he's having the shower and he's just grumpy. 
And he's like, I'm cursing, I'm moaning, I'm groaning. And then all of a sudden I was like, Jesus, I don't want this anymore. And realized out of my mouth was coming this language that I had no idea where it came from. And I was like, that is so funny to me. Um, People receive the gift of tongues personally by themselves. They just receive it. And the other one, the other option, number three, or be prayed for by someone who has the gift. And then practice. My testimony, which you will hear if you listen to the podcast, includes months of wanting the gift, and then finally somebody praying for me and saying, you have to open your mouth. Because <laughs> I stood there stock still with my mouth glued, crazy glued shut, thinking if this is God, God's gonna open this mouth and put the words out of it. And this person gently just was like, touched my chin and she's like, you have to open your mouth. I was like, but she's like, that's how language works. And um, yeah, so there are these, this opportunity to pray, pray for and practice this gift. So I'm inviting you to consider this gift of tongues, this deep connection with God. I wanna pray and then the worship team is going to come and lead us in a, a song as we posture our lives to consider the more that God has for us. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your purpose for us. And I thank you for this invitation of deep connection with spirit. I pray, God, that even as we consider the questions we may have or the longings we may have or the understandings previous or how weird this sounds, God, I just pray for that getting out of the way, that we would get out of the way of all that you have for us, whether that's this gift or an experience of understanding a prophetic word, whether that's knowing what, God, you have for us, the next step of our journey, I pray that we would get out of the way today, that you, God, would have your way in our lives, that you would have your way in our thoughts and in our understanding, in our callings, in our purpose, in our gifts, in our gatherings, that you would have your way, and that when we gather, personally and together, there would be a deep connection with you, God that we would draw from that place of deep connection with you. In your name, Jesus, I pray, amen.